Superpowers on the Superpower Up podcast, the show that lifts the voice of love from orgasms to superpowers and everything in between. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sex, Love, and Superpowers podcast show. I am your host, Tatiana Berenday, and I'm really excited to have with us today Miss Brianna Cavanaugh. We are going to be talking about fat positive sex. This is going to be a really awesome episode, and I'm really, really looking forward to it. So let me tell you a little bit about Brianna before we dive in. Brianna Cavanaugh is the financial bliss mentor and genius behind Bliss Your Bookkeeping. She helps businesses who are making a difference in the world transform their finances and make more money without sacrificing impact. With over 20 years of experience in her role as a coach and over 14 years of accounting expertise, she runs Bliss Your Money, a a bookkeeping firm supporting six-plus-figure women-owned businesses and social impact organizations. She's a sought-after speaker, builds and runs workshops and trainings, and sometimes still dives into one-on-one to help you understand financial self-care and relieve the financial pressure to support you in moving towards the life you long to live. But the reason why she's on our show today, in addition to all of that fabulousness, is because she recently started a podcast called Fat Girl Finds Love about loving up plus size and fat folks and expanding our confidence and visibility while normalizing bodies of all sizes. And you can find her podcast on all the podcast channels. So we are really, really pleased to have you with us here today. Thank you. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you. So before we dive in, will you tell our listeners what your superpowers are? Yes. I um I love talking about superpowers. So I, I have two two primary superpowers. One of them I call true sight. Um, and it is that I have a gift where I can see into, into people's hearts. Um, I can listen to them and kind of identify what the what the real thing is going on under all of the things. So people come to me when they want to be kind of truly seen, as I'm I'm very good at kind of seeing people for who they are, not for not for their image or for their upset or for their challenges. But I'm I'm one of my superpowers is I can just see right kind of into the center, into the heart of them. Mm-hmm. And then my my other superpower um, is a superpower that a friend of mine calls the gift of the word. Um, my ex girlfriend called it um, the gift of proselytizing. She said you could sell um, you could sell sunglasses to the blind. It's, <laughs> I was like, I, that sounds like a mixed blessing to me. Um, but it's it's the gift of being able to kind of speak speak the truth. Um, and I feel like it's a complimentary gift to kind of the gift of of true sight of being able to see into people, which is um, I sort of use the gift of words to like as a as a sort of truth to like kind of cut away at the bullshit and the um, the unnecessary stuff to kind of get right to the heart of things. Mm-hmm. So when people come to me, um, you know, friends, lovers, frenemies. Um, they know that I'm one of those people who like, I just don't, um, I'm going to give it to them straight. Right. I'm, yeah. I'm one of those people who's just really like, I'm really direct and, you know, not mean, but also don't kind of pull any punches. No sugar coating with this one. <laughs> I mean, you know, I always try to deliver things with love <laughs> and, you know, 
um, without, there's a way that like, there's a way that I think sometimes people use truth as like a, a bludgeon. They're just like, yeah. I'm going to tell you what's true and it's going to hurt you. But I feel like um, one of the things that I can do is, is just tell them kind of the, the exact truth about the, the thing that I see. Beautiful. So, so let's talk about, first of all, I think it would be good to define some terms for our listeners mm-hmm. here today, since our, our topic title is fat positive sex. Um, yes. You know, like, what do we mean when we say fat? What do we mean when we say fat positive? I think we, we, we've covered the sex thing on this show enough. So I don't know that we need to define that one, but, but I do want to, I do want to sort of just get super clear with everyone who's listening, you know, what, what those words are meaning in the context of this conversation. That's, those are great questions. So I think both of those questions could be um, tomes. <laughs> There's a lot there. Right. Um, yeah. So I'm going to, so let's start with fat. What do I mean? What do I mean when I say fat? But also, um, why do I use the word fat? Um, there is this um, way that people talk around the word fat. They will say um, large, they'll say overweight, or um, people like to use the obesity word a lot. Um, and all of these words kind of are all about the stigma of body size. But if we can use the word thin, right, we can use the word fat as a descriptor, right? But the word fat has so much charge on it that people really want to um, avoid it. Don't look at it. You know, like, keep it away from me. Right. And And we were talking about it right before we came on the recording, how this is, it's a, it generally has a very negative connotation. Yes. Yeah. And in kind of fat positive and fat liberation circles, there's a reclamation of the word fat um, for people who are, for people who are fat, for people who are not thin. Um, And that word, taking the charge off of that, off of the word fat actually does a whole lot of service to people who have been called fat, who have been called names around their size, like just being able to say words and not have them be so inflammatory makes a huge difference because then we can start to talk about what's going on with the emotions and underneath the emotions and with the stigma and with the pathologizing and all of the stuff that goes around that. But if we can't even say the words, there really isn't a conversation to be had, if that makes sense. Right. But there's also a certain subjectivity to it too. I mean, even with the word thin, like what does that mean? You know, what does fat mean? Um, Who gets to decide? You know, I think, I think it's a, it's a, it's an interesting question and and you know you and I have have danced in a, in a very fascinating way around <laughs> this because um you know there was a question of whether or not I could come and be on your show this is like whether I was actually fat um right because I'm holding a space for fat folks for fat love fat sex and fat relationships right. and so I'm wanting to engage that conversation with other fat people because there's a lot of space for um, thin people, um, and even sort of average size people to be 
seen around sex, love, and relationships. And as soon as you start to talk about um, fatness or um, even slightly above average weight people, the opportunities kind of diminish and go away. And so after having spent time in, in, in fat positive and fat liberation spaces, I realized that um, even though I'm fat and I you know, have lots of love and have had lots of sex and have been quite slutty, it's fairly rare that in, in sex positive spaces that we see fat people. Right. Um, it just is not, it, it just isn't happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've been exploring how do we bring, like if we really want to bring bodies of all sizes into being able to be sex positive or even hell sex neutral, we have to have a conversation from um, the most marginalized, you know, kind of into, into the realm of fat positive and sex positive. And so I'm, I'm claiming that space and inviting more people into being um, slutty and sex positive, or even, like I said, you're even <laughs> sex neutral. You can like be like, you know, sex is okay with me. Right? Let's all be sluts. <laughs> Let's all be sluts together. I mean, it's very fun, right? Sex feels good. Touch feels good. Like, you know, I'm, I'm very pro sex. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, okay, so we do have to go to a quick break, um, and we're going to dive deep into this topic when we get back. Before we go to break, will you tell our listeners where they can go to find more about you and your show and everything? My show is called Fat Girl Finds Love. It's about fat love, fat sex, and fat relationships, and you can find us at fatgirlfindslove.com. Awesome. So we're talking with Brianna Cavanaugh about fat positive sex, and there will be more when we get back. So stay tuned. This is going to be a really good conversation. Hello, everyone. This is Tonya Don Reckla, Executive Director of Superpower Experts. And we want to thank each of you for making Superpower Up the number one podcast network for personal development and spiritual growth. Because people like you have the courage to say that mindfulness, healthy living, disrupting reality, the pursuit of consciousness, responsible entrepreneurship, and radical parenting matter. We now amass over 1 million downloads monthly in more than 90 countries. Our numbers keep growing because there are far more people willing to live divergently than mass media wants to acknowledge. For you, the change makers, the light bearers, the way showers, we say thank you. If you're ready to take the next step in your evolution, go now to superpowerexperts.com and take the superpower quiz. And as Neva Lee Rekla, our youngest podcaster, likes to remind us, remember, we all have superpowers and we can change the world. Okay, so we're back. So I want to go back just for a moment to the to the definition, right? Because mm-hmm. you do have kind of a clear definition of what is and isn't fat. So there have been some standardizations over time, right? We always want for identity to be about people who identify as the thing. Like, you know, this is a when we're looking at the LGBTQ plus, et cetera, uh, community, it's like, okay, so if you identify as queer or gay or bi, we accept that as your identity. Um, and there is something to that. Like if you feel like you're fat, right, there's something to that identity and exploring that identity. Also, there is real actual marginalization that happens as um, body sizes go up. And so being able to say, okay, um, and acknowledge that, you know, 
women's sizes go up to about size 12. And over that, we started, we get into plus sizes and acknowledging that there's a difference in access to clothing, access to spaces, you know, and that those things change as body sizes go up. So from like size 14, um, that starts at something that we often call small fat, right? That's like kind of the beginning of people wanting to identify um, like strongly as, as fat or like you know, that's where the kind of cutoff is. In fact, size 14, and I think it's even bigger now, is the average size American woman. So say really? Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's been true since at least the 70s. Yeah. Um, that size, I think it's gone up even. But um, Say yeah. that again, because I that's- think that's really important for people <laughs> to hear. Yeah. Size 14, um, in, even in the 70s, was is the Average American size woman. Um, Marilyn Monroe is a size 14 average. It's an average size woman. So when I'm holding the space and I'm saying fat people, right, we're talking about people who are size 14 and above, even though clothing sizes, like when we talk about, and we use this term straight size, which is size 12 and under, is is actually, we, the reason we use the word thin is because that is smaller than the average size woman in the United States. So this for me is revelatory and and our whole interactions, you know, behind the scenes and before leading up to this have been like I was sharing with you before we got on the recording really impactful because I have spent the majority of my life believing that I'm fat. Mm-hmm. Because I was teased incessantly as a kid. I had an eating disorder. I was constantly told by my mother to have portion control in my meals, you know, like I like and I and I have had the experience of not being able to find clothing in a store and being, you know, the largest person in a room. Mm-hmm. Um and when I hear a statistic like the average size American woman is size 14 I'm like holy shit I'm not I'm not fat and I've been living in with this concept my whole life mm-hmm. um that is untrue and as I was as I was sharing you it's like oh well maybe maybe I get to put down you know some of that identification um because I definitely don't want to be taking up space that isn't rightfully mine um and also, yeah, it's just it's just been really um, potent and, and eye-opening for me, this whole thing. So there is something there. Um, and this is a thing that we're starting to talk about more and more, and it's called diet culture. So over the last like 40 years, 50 years, um, there is an industry called the diet industry that is now a $70 billion more than that industry that is working to convince women that there's something wrong with their bodies. Yeah. Well, they're doing a really, really good job. It's very, Um, it's been very effective. Right. And and we talk about, there's like, you know, this thing in the fifties where women have to look a certain way and all this stuff comes into play about, um, you know, all the advertising agencies and, and, and this shift, but the, the one of the primary things that has come out of that is convincing women that there's something wrong with their bodies and the billions and billions and billions of dollars that is spent um, trying to make up for that. 
um, and on diet and weight loss products uh, and so on, right? There's, there's so much, there's so much money, so much time, so much attention, so much energy that is spent looking a certain way. Um, And I just want to say a little bit more about this because most people have no idea. They have no idea about the diet industry um, and the culture around that, which we call diet culture. We can talk more about that, but this comes out of racism and the idea that when um, bringing slaves over from Africa to the U.S., that women's white women's bodies needed to be controlled so that they didn't look out of control in the way that black women and black people's bodies looked. And it's it's deep, like the racism, the control, the control of women's bodies, the control of women's food, the you know women being the central nurturers and so also being the central transmitters of that racist sexist standard that is then being perpetuated in our entire culture well i had no idea it went back to that route i mean i live in southern california so i'm in like the mecca of all of this and it's definitely infused like the health and wellness industries and you know, as we've established, like, okay, so according to, to your standards and, and how sort of, um, what do you call them? Fat liberation circles. I absolutely love that term. Yeah. Fat liberation. Um, are, are defining it. I am not fat. And yet I've had this experience a number of times going into spaces and it's almost like, I mean, I am, I'm, prone to mind reading for, for those of our listeners who have explored their superpowers. That is like one of, one of mine that I am predisposed to. And so I do have the experience of picking up on, on thought energy, right. Mm -hmm. And often thought energy, that's not my own. And, and it's not uncommon for me to go into a space and be able to sort of like, it's, it's kind of wild actually hear what, what's going on. <laughs> it does, it's not like I'm like 100% psychic and I can always read everybody's thoughts, but definitely does come in handy when I'm working with clients. For sure. <laughs> um, but I've definitely had this experience of like, there's almost this, and I did a whole social media like mini campaign on it last year, um, right before I got pregnant. Um, because there's, there's this like, concept or perception that if your body doesn't look a certain way, then you're not taking care of yourself. That it's your fault. Yeah. Right. And, and I'm not even considered to, to be in that larger realm, right? I'm not considered fat by fat people standards. <laughs> and, yet, and yet I'm definitely not like yoga thin, you know? Um, you mean you're not a size zero. Right. Yep. So, That's the so the i the ideal body, which is you know had by less than one percent of people of of women globally, right? A tiny tiny fraction of one percent of women have this idealized body. And actually, this has been a shift too. If, if historically you look at photos, um, photos and then paintings of women, right? Women are are luscious and round and by today's standards fat. And that actually was a shift that also happened in the sixties. Like if you, um, you may have heard of this model called Twiggy. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Very famous. But before her, right, we have a different set of standards. And in fact, there's, there's a whole history of kind of diet culture and, um, like the history, um, 
like the history of the BMI, for example, which was changed. This whole idea of obesity epidemic came about because they changed the BMI. Um, and it's really easy to look up this like, um, and so now the idea that your BMI, which is of course, BMI is bullshit. It's not intended to be used as an individual's anyway, but using this tool that's not and not for individual humans and then making it smaller to be able to pretend that, um, you know, all of a sudden there are lots more fat people. Um, and so it created a whole new category of people that the diet industry could target. But dieting, this whole idea that you have to control your body, that first of all, it is in your control and that it's your responsibility to control yourself is the basis for a whole lot of shit, right? It's the, it's the reason that we can say to each other, oh, you know, don't eat that. And we do all this food moralizing, right? And that yeah. some foods are bad and some foods are good, which is also its own form of horseshit. Um, yeah, also, I just say, I want to say, like, I eat the birthday cake at, at my kids' birthday parties. So, right. Because I like And it's it like, uh, for a lot of people, that's a sin, right? right. I mean, it's. I'm it's, usually the only parent who does. <laughs> <laughs> right. And why is that? I mean, it's a good question, right? Why is it that we feel like we have to constantly be in control? Yeah. It yeah. makes it makes all of these things off limits. This is why talking about fat and talking about sex together is important because pleasure, right? Once we start to touch into pleasure, everything changes. Yes. Right? Yes. And and you know this because yes. you you do work around sex. But it's the same when you we look at bodies. We've decided that only certain kind of bodies can have pleasure. Right. And that, only certain bodies are worthy of having pleasure. Right. And that means that everybody else um, should be working on having that kind of body before they have anything else. Pleasure, money, uh, sex, a good job, children. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right there's this idea that if you're not a certain weight, oh, you you might have a high risk pregnancy. But I have to tell you that women have been getting pregnant and having children for millennia, uh, including fat women, and like it's a thing. Fat women have babies, totally fine. Right, and if and if fat wasn't um, biologically desirable, it would have been weeded out by now. Yeah, well, that's another really interesting thing to discuss too, because I think we have this idea, especially so many women have this idea that, okay, in order to be attractive, I have to look like the pictures I see in the magazines. Right. Which and, is bullshit. And this also, what goes along with that is the story that all men find that attractive. Also or, bullshit. Or all people who we're trying to attract, right? Which right. is total bullshit. But it is like, it gets in there in such a hard and heavy way. I mean, I remember I really started to unpack this when I started hanging out with people who were from different African countries, right? Mm -hmm. And going to like reggae clubs because the African men loved <laughs> what, I, what I was carrying yeah. around. I think one of the best compliments I ever got at that time period was, Girl, you got a butt like Africa. I was like, wow, thank you. That is the nicest thing that right. has ever said to me. <laughs> it's great, right? Um, one but of it's my so, but it's, well, it's fascinating to just, to just bring that back to, you know, what you're talking yeah. about, like the origin yeah. of where all this started, where it's like, oh, but our bodies can't look like African women's bodies. That's right. I have a frat friend who does a lot of traveling and, and we were talking about like best fat pit 
positive places to travel to. And she was like, by far, she was like South Africa. She was like, it's my, it was my favorite of all the places that I've been in terms of like body being fat positive. Right. Um, And if we look around the world, there are all kinds of places where fat bodies or large body, like different, there are different, different people have different kinds of frames, right? Like if we look at kind of Tongan and Samoan people, which I I grew up with a lot of of folks um, who are Samoan and, and Tongan, and um, there's a lot big. of big, they're big people. people and yeah. when Moana came out, remember, I don't remember the name of the, uh, the like main God guy, but they were like, Oh, Maui, that guy's fat. Yeah. And I was like, have you seen Samoan people? Like no, there's yeah, a they're... lot of big Samoan people and uh, I'm not sure they would take too well to being called fat. Um, and, and you know, and in my like fat you don't, you don't wanna, days. You don't want to cross them either. <laughs> but like, is it, is, is that the, it, like, first of all, it's a cartoon. Is that the really the most important thing? Right. Um, and second of all, like, this is one of those American sort of shaming things of like, oh, those bodies are not the right bodies. And so he can't be, he can't be a hero. He can't be a God, right? Like, you know, because he looks a certain way. Well, um, even Moana, I, I was absolutely thrilled at the size of her ankles. I was like, this is phenomenal. She does not have ankles that look like they're about to break off. You know, like she's got thick ankles. She's a sturdy person. Yeah. Like, and I, I mean, I think of that as very, that's, that's very normal. Oh, I wanted to finish this conversation about size, right? So this, the, the size 14 thing, um, it's like, this is average, right? And this is the beginning of calling women fat is about size 14, right? Cause that's where plus size clothes start. Um, and the reason, let, let me say a little bit more about this. So then you get up to like about size 20, 22, and we start calling those people like mid-size, mid, mid-size fats. Um, and then you start getting up to size um, like 28 or 30. And we start to call those folks um, that write about size 28 super fats. Like at the, they're at the end of the size where you can buy clothes in stores, you know, kind of off the rack, which, you know, places like Tord and Lane Bryan and stuff like that. Um, and then above that, we call those folks um, InfiniFats. We used to call them, um, and in fat community, sometimes we still call them death fats because people have this like, if you're that fat, you're clearly going to die. Um, and so is there sort of a reclamation of like, um, a sort of tongue in cheek, like, oh, death fatties. Um, but, in, you know, or InfiniFats, like their bodies are so big that, um, you know, people don't have a like, they can't buy clothes in stores. And, and I think a lot of people don't even realize that there are people who can't do that. Like they're, this, they're off the charts um, and kind of thinking about like, what does it mean to be off the charts in terms of, um, in terms of your body and literally not fitting anywhere. So at right about like the size of being a super fat person, um, I feel like we should all have capes, right? Um, yes. It's like you don't fit in chairs, you don't fit in airplane seats, right? Like it's hard to um, access becomes an issue, mm-hmm. not because you know we don't go places, but because like all those tiny shitty chairs that like even thin people are like, oh, this doesn't really, this is not really great, become inaccessible. And so if you start to just notice in places that you go, if the chairs work for you and if they would work for the people around you, you'll start to get an idea of whether um, fat people, like even mid-sized or super fat folks can, can access a space, right? And what does it mean to be able to, 
or not be able to go to dinner, you know, access a cafe, be able to travel. Like, how would that change your life, especially if you're a thin person or a small fat person? Like, what does it mean to suddenly be able to not travel, not go anywhere, not be able to reliably sit in a car, like a seat in a car or in a a cafe or a restaurant or whatever, um, or theater seatings. Um, one of the things that I've been struggling with is if I go to an actual theater with seats with arms that don't go up, I have to ask for accessible seating, right? Mm-hmm. And um, it's frustrating. That means that you know there's only a few seats in a theater that I can even sit in, and it creates all kinds of issues. And I always have to ask for, um, you know, call the theater ahead of time and all of this stuff, even though I'm paying for a seat, right? Even though, you know, I still have to, you know, get there and figure out all this money stuff, even though fat people make less money, right? Even less than like women make less than men, fat people make much less, right? Than thin people. So there's all of this like built in oppression that happens just by being um, a fat person who exists in the world and might want to go to a movie or dinner. Right. Yeah. And I think it's important to know that when when you're looking to access sex, right, and have more pleasure, the everydayness of is this going to work for me really kind of bears down on people. And so when they're when they're looking at do I have do I have do I want to have sex? Do I want to have a relationship? Do I want to engage with other human beings? If your experience every day, day to day is one of oppression and I'm not sure I'm going to fit, that risk to engage and connect and be sexual with someone can become insurmountable. So what what do you, what's been your process with that and your experience with that and how do you support people in that process? Well, so my, my process, I feel like there are many ways in which I've been very lucky. I, I, um, was very athletic. So when I swam four hours a day, I was a size 16, right? Um, so it, for me, there's a way that no matter how much I exercise, I would never, it's like, there's no thinness in my future, or you know, like that was not really a thing, even though I was working out four hours a day swimming and I would, you know, dance, I was a competitive dancer. Um, it's just kind of funny in retrospect to be like, oh, even though I was very athletic, I didn't, I still, my body didn't fit into those standards. But um I did have a lot of physical kind of prowess or physical um, being physically adept. And I got into sex positive culture when I was like 17. Don't tell anyone you're supposed to be 18, right? Um, Yeah, right. (laughs) Because only adults have sex. Uh Um, And only adults are interested in it. it, Right. Only adults are interested in sex. But I knew when I was 12 years old, 11 years old, I wanted to be a sex educator. I knew from the time I was a little kid that I was like, oh, like this sex stuff is really fun and I want to, you know, I imagine myself, I didn't have those words, but I imagined myself like teaching and helping people be sexual with each other and, you know, all that kind of stuff. It, it was like, I feel like it's it's something I was born to do. Um, and so my process was that I started going to sex parties at a pretty early age and I was like, wow, this stuff, sex stuff is great. So as my weight has gone up and my body has changed and like, you know, I was in a car accident a couple of years ago, I already had access to sex. Even so, 
um, I struggle, have struggled with and, and sometimes struggle with um, feeling sexy. Like I'm very lucky. I have an amazing, like amazing partner who just loves the hell out of me. And, you know, we have an open relationship. And so when um, I am thinking about, you know, being sexual or connecting with other people or other partners, there's a thing there where it's like, you know, I don't get as much play as the thin women do, right? And I have to watch out for um, fat fetishists, right? That are like, they they only want me for my body, which I think women across the spectrum have this, you know, like they only want me for my body or they only want me for my big breasts or they only want me for my butt or like, you know, the things that women in general have this experience of. But there is a set of, of people um, my encounter has been mostly men who are like super into fat people and fat women, especially, and they don't kind of care about who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and so kind of watching for that because it's quite predatory. Yeah. Well, I think that's true across the spectrum, regardless of what your body yes. looks like. As you're yeah. yeah. There are predatory men. I mean, there are predatory people, but the truth is it's mostly men. And, um, and how do we engage with that? Right. Mm-hmm. And then, and then like having and maintaining the self confidence, no matter my body size, to be able to engage with people that I would like to play with and make out with and connect with on any level. It takes constant cultivation of um, self confidence. Yeah. It's a lot more work. It's like a constant uphill. Yeah. It does. It definitely feels that way. Right. And it makes sense if everywhere you turn, it's like the culture and how we're set up, you know, you were talking about access earlier. Um, There's like constant reminders everywhere. Right. You're different. Right. Right. Yeah. And I, and I think there are lots of, you know, it, it puts me in a place with being with having, being able to have compassion for lots of different kinds of marginalizations and um, it sucks, right? You know, I feel like what I'm supposed to be doing is coming on and being like, no, you know, fat positive sex is really great. And it is, but also it sucks to live in a body that, you know, a bunch of people just write off like when you come in the room, right? That totally sucks. And so the thing that I'm doing is creating a space for the conversation, right? And being a welcoming, being an invitation to have the conversation and have all of the feelings to start with, right? Being able to feel all of the upset and the shame and the overwhelm and the sadness and the grief and being able to grieve that that feeling of, of like, and finally let go of, okay, so I'm not thin. I'm never going to be thin. Like I'm never going to meet that expectation. And there's a, like, when you finally do it, there's like a loss, a giving up of, yeah right. I'm never going to meet this expectation yeah. and, and then changing that within yourself mm-hmm. and then being able to resource. Like as soon as you start to do that, you can resource yourself and get the tools and the support and the community and the engagement that you need in order to shift. And so something I want to go back to, cause I'm, I'm feeling like it's still, um, mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. there's still questions. Like I can can feel the questions in the ethers from from the listeners, Great. from my you know. Um, is this the the concept of choice mm-hmm. and control? Um, because you see it everywhere, the like success stories of someone losing hundred pounds or, you know, 200 mm-hmm. pounds. And, and all of that is, is everywhere and in your face constantly. Right. Yep. And so it, it, it perpetuates this story that it is possible, first of all, which for some people I think can be very empowering um, okay. It can also be very discouraging because it's like it sets up this expectation and perpetuates this idea that if you're not that person who has successfully lost 200 pounds, then there's something that you're not doing or that you're doing incorrectly. So let's talk about dieting for a minute. Like, yeah. let's just straight up talk about that. So we now know, and there's lots of research, that diets don't work. We know that in the short term, you can make people lose weight. We know that that the studies that look at two-year and five-year, like longer-term um, results of dieting, um, that less than two, it's, it's somewhere between two and 5% of people can keep that, that level of weight loss happening. Um, that is essentially a statistical anomaly. And the shift is happening to no longer recommending diet, dieting and weight loss. Because, and let's just talk about this straight up, because dieting, okay, so there's this myth that if you're fat, you have, you have health, health problems, like that, that those things go together mm-hmm. and that the health problems are a result of fatness, we, you know, obesity in the, in the kind of academic language. But the statistics and the, the research of the last five to 10 years shows us that actually the difference in health outcomes is um, is made up of weight stigma and dieting effects. So, a hundred percent of the difference, the health, the heart um, heart disease outcomes um, of fat people versus thin people is actually accounted for in yo-yo dieting. In other words, dieting causes heart disease mm. and heart issues. Mm-hmm. So, so the idea that we should be dieting is actually harmful to our health and it's harmful to your health. Weight stigma. So only about 25% of uh, our weight, like what determines our weight is actually food. Other things make it up, like um, history of dieting and weight loss, history of eating disorder, um, weight stigma, and uh, dieting and exercise. And there, um, like, there aren't that there aren't a ton of factors. Uh, oh, and chronic poverty. So um, economic status is uh, lower. Economic status is more highly correlated with higher having a higher weight. And is that just because of the quality of the food? That so you have access to it's not just about quality of food it's also about all of this stuff about um access to food access to exercise access to health care access to information about 
food, you know, all of this stuff, right? And the the and stress, right? Stress is a huge factor right. in our health and in and in weight. So what we what we find is that if you have a history of dieting and eating disorder, you're likely to be fatter. If you have a history of trauma, you're likely to be fatter. And and if you have a higher weight, the reason that you have things like heart disease is because of dieting, not because of fat. Yeah, I mean I I know from my midwifery journey that there's actually there's a there's a certain amount of fat that is actually really healthy to have when you're pregnant, when you're when you're nursing. Um, oh, in general, yeah. The, that it's you're actually much healthier and more likely to have healthier outcomes than incredibly thin women who are birthing their babies. They tend to have more complications. Um, in actually, in general, the I can't remember what the the BMI. You know, this whole BMI is bullshit. In part because the weight that they're trying to get people to be is actually a primarily unhealthy and doesn't have the best health care health outcomes. The best health outcomes are actually at the weight above the weight that they start to talk about obesity, that's actually the first weight level where we actually see the best health outcomes. So so what what we're coming to is not not only that it's not that fat causes health problems, it's that dieting causes health problems and causes fatness. It's all really fascinating food for thought. Um, and I think, you know, we've given our listeners some really deep things to, to contemplate. I, um, you know, we're coming to the end of our time and I want to make sure that we get to cover, you know, we actually didn't talk about sex that much. We talked about <laughs> it a little bit um, yeah. because there's, it's so, not, there's it's so much groundwork. Common. There's yeah. so much groundwork to lay before you can even go there. You know, it's right. like, like what are, what are we even um, talking about and how is this different? Um, but I would love to give you just a little bit of space before we go to, to share with our listeners like some gems that you feel like we didn't quite get to touch on. Um, and of course, they can always go and listen to your show where you talk about this in way more detail. And That's right. And we're working to put together a, a body liberation summit, like a virtual one, so that folks can come and, and listen to more, excuse me, listen to more people more experts talk about this kind of stuff, you know, cause my, my expertise is not in, um, you know, all these statistics, even though I've studied a lot of this for my own, um, to renormalize that my body is okay. Yeah. Right. And that I think is, is important. The reason I'm saying all of this is because it's tragic that we've been taught all of these things, right. That the under our underpinnings of how we think things should be is wrong, misleading, unhealthy, and devastating to our self-esteem. Yeah, and to our psychology. Yeah. And if you are someone who is at any size, you want to have sex with your partner, with yourself, with a whole lot of people, with no one, all of that is completely normal and healthy and beautiful. And I, I recommend that you do it. And that if you are worried that you need to wait until you are a certain size, um, look a certain way, have a certain makeup or certain clothes, I just I just want to encourage you to like consider that you can have pleasure now. 
Yeah. I mean, what I was, what was just coming through right now is like, regardless of what your body looks like, it was designed for pleasure. That's right. Our bodies were designed to experience bliss, to experience ecstasy, to experience pleasure, no matter what size or shape they're in. Right. And ecstasy and ecstatic practice is actually, um, I think of it as necessary. And I, it's, and it's not just necessary. It's like, it is necessary and it's open to everyone. Like yeah. no matter your body size type, et cetera, ability, disability, color, et cetera, you have access to pleasure and ecstasy now. You don't have to wait. Yes. 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 I yeah. love it. Um, and the, and one more thing is I would say that if you're, if you're like, Oh, this is not quite working for me or, Oh, I don't know what to do about this or my body doesn't quite, you know, I can't quite get into that position. I would really encourage you to think about what it is that you do actually want and tell your partner or partners and let them help you because now there are tons of toys there are tons of like support items and pillows and swings and slings furniture. and furniture <laughs> and, um, and you can have it, right? You can have pretty much anything that you can imagine if you can imagine it, right? And then the, the last thing I would say is like, I'm a very fat person and I go on a sex vacation with my partner and have sex with lots of people every year in Cancun and it's awesome. <laughs> and uh, I'm doing a whole series on fat sexcations where I interview other fat women about yes! going on fat sexcations and you could come and listen to that at fatgirlfindslove.com. And it's fantastic. If you want to come and just expose yourself to listening to other fat people talk about how great their sex lives can be and how terrible, right? But but just the soaking in the bliss and the like revelatory ecstasy of what what is possible. Come and play with us. Like come and listen. Yeah, I think I think it's so powerful to just just to know that like a that exists. Sometimes it's as simple as knowing that it's it exists and someone else is doing it. That's all we need to start making a shift. Yeah. Right. That it's like now it's on my radar. I know it's possible. Yeah. Right. So if you're listening to this, you have no excuse anymore. Now it's on your radar. You know it's possible. You can have pleasure too, regardless of what you look like. It's That's possible. Right. It's your birthright. You deserve it. You get to have that. Right. Awesome. I love you Thank call you. it a, a fat sexcation. That's right. That's like the best thing I've ever heard. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, that's amazing. Okay. It's fantastic. We could do a whole episode on talking about fat sexcation. I think we should. (laughs) It's a lot of fun. (gasps) Oh my gosh. Well, Brianna, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to come on the show. I think this was hugely informative. I know I learned a ton. I'm sure our listeners did. Um, you're so welcome just thank you and thank you for thank you for the work that you're doing it's so needed and so important you're welcome yeah and I hope that you know you guys enjoyed this episode and that you'll you'll find place for pleasure and ecstasy in your lives yes and to our listeners thank you so much for your continued support we absolutely love you if you have not yet downloaded the app go into your app store go to the superpower net 
um, search that, find our little, our little podcast guy with the cape, download the app. You can listen to all of the shows directly through the app. You can take the quiz, find out what your superpowers are, what you're predisposed to. Um, there's all sorts of fun ways to sort of play and engage and connect with us through the app. So please, please, please go and do that. And until next time, go out and love yourself so that you can love the world more deeply. Many, many blessings. Are you ready to discover your superpowers? Go now to superpowerexperts.com and take the superpower quiz today.